Just the two verses, James chapter 5, verses 17 and 18, please. And James tells us in verse 17, Elias, that is Elijah. <clears throat> Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. We know the Lord will bless again the reading of his word. Let's just bow on a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, would you now take your word and wing it to all of our hearts. Lord, we all need you. Thank you for the word that was brought to us by your servant this morning. And now we ask you, O God, that your word would have free course again to our hearts this evening. Not only in this place, but all who will watch live and are watching now, whatever country they're in. And Father, for those who will watch later, we pray, but tonight will be a time, Lord, when we will realize we've been in your presence. Lord, a night in here in your presence is worth far more than the world could have given us sitting at home tonight. And we thank you, Lord, you've brought us here. Speak to us, we pray. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In James chapter 5, we looked a bit at it last week. And it was the title was Elijah, a man of passions and prayer. That was last week's. And this week, really, it's Elijah and his show and tell gospel. Elijah and his show and tell gospel. You see, in James chapter 5, remember, James tells you and I to be patient in verse 7, to endure in verse 11, and then he starts off to pray in the different sorts of prayer we looked at last Sunday evening from verse 13 on down. He mentions to those in verse 10 of the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. So he mentions the prophets of old, the prophets of the Old Testament. And he says how they were treated at times of distress and despair. The prophets of the Old Testament, how they were uh, taken by wicked kings and how they were murdered and killed and so on. And we're going to look at that in a moment because he brings Elijah. He says Elias here in the Greek, it's Elijah for the Hebrew. But it's Elijah he speaks of here when he starts to speak of a prophet. Notice what he says in verse 17. Elias or Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. We looked at that, how it's wonderful that, that James, inspired by the Spirit of God, placed that there because you and I, we can then start to realize that this was just an ordinary man. Elijah was a man of flesh and blood. Elijah was a human being with all his frailties and his faults and everything else that goes with you and I. And yet he had a prayer life. He had a walk with God. He heard the word of the Lord. And in receiving that, believing that, and walking in that, he conquered even the kingdom of the northern kingdom of Israel. I'm going to look at it in a moment. For between verse 17... Elijah was a man, or Elias was a man, subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again in verse 18. Notice, and he prayed again, 
and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. So the rain didn't come for three and a half years. And in those two verses, we have encapsulated a time of three and a half years. And then when we go into the Old Testament, we're going to look at that time of three and a half years. What happened in between that time? Because remember, he just didn't say it's not going to rain and no dew or rain. And everything was fine and they just found it a little difficult. There was a drought, which meant there was a famine, which meant there was death of cattle and human, which meant there was flies, which meant there was larvae, which meant there was disease. And Elijah was placed right into the middle of it to keep faith in the Lord. Sometimes when we look at our own nation and our own society where we are, we struggle. Because of the way society is, because of the way things are and and the homes that are around us, because of the way it is, uh, we can despair with our government. We just need to look at what's happening, and I'm not going into it again tonight. I despair when I look at what's happening over in London. Between there and the overlords of the European Union. And here now, kicking the can down the road to the 31st of October. Kicking the can down that in-between time, they say, well, if we can manage to get out of this, then we'll do so. Don't you believe a word of it? They want us to be held in. It's all in a plan. It's all in their purpose. They kick it down the road. They you and I get tired of it and they end up throwing the hands up and saying, whatever. It's just like the Irish Republic did when they were asked for a vote and they gave the vote that they didn't want Europe and then they were told to try again. You must try harder. And look where they are today, fully engrafted into that wicked, wicked system. Notice here how when we think of the 31st of October, it's Halloween. There's some scary ones running around that parliament at the minute. It's Halloween. Brothers and sisters, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, as blood washed of God, it's not Halloween to us. It's Reformation Day. It's Reformation Day. It's the day that Martin Luther nailed the 95 Theses to the door of the Wittenberg Cathedral in Germany. The just shall live by faith and the, the Reformation kicked off. It's known as Reformation Day. So while others can look at Halloween and worship the devils that are holding on to it, we, in God's will and God's plan, will be released and we will have a great Reformation throughout our very island home. We play, pray that God... If we pray together, we pray as one that God will move in revival blessing in the church and in resurrection power through the nation that is resurrecting dead hearts and dead spirits of men and women who know not Christ, then we believe that all things are possible to God and that he can release us from it. Now, Elijah was a man who was sent to the northern kingdom in the house of Israel. For example, Israel had the 12 tribes split into two kingdoms. You'll read about it in 1 Kings chapter 11 and in 1 Kings chapter 12. And 10 tribes went to the north and they had their own capital city called Samaria. And in the south there were two tribes. There was Judah and Benjamin, some of Levi. And they had their own uh, uh, capital there, which was always Jerusalem. And out of that came the house of David, the house of David, which was the tribe from the tribe of Judah, where the scepter would come from the, uh, the, the very king line where God had sat and placed the king in Israel. And from David comes the Lord Jesus Christ years later down the line. Now, in the north, 
in Samaria, the capital city. They had their own kings. Jeroboam II was their, their first king. My memory serves me right. And Jeroboam II was their first king. Then they had a line of kings. And by the time Elijah comes, they had every single king was wicked before the Lord. Every single one of them was a tyrant in the face of God. Turned away from the Lord. They brought in other uh, gods with their multiculturalism, as it were. They brought in their other gods. They were told if someone came from another nation, they were to worship the God of Israel. But Israel didn't hold to that. It's like others coming in. They're putting up their mosques and their temples and all these things. And they're not worshipping the God of Israel. They're not worshipping the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in this, Elijah is right in the middle of it. And by the time he comes along, the nation has went into full apostasy. Everything is just in dire, dire, terrible condition. And the Lord sends him right into the palace to the king who is Ahab. And his wife, I'm sure we all know it, Jezebel. Jezebel was a Zidonian witch. That's what she was. She worshipped the gods of Zidon. And she was a Zidonian witch. And even the Lord remembers this woman as it were. Not that the Lord forgets for he's God. But he remembers this woman right down to the very last book of your Bible. Into Revelation chapter 3. When Christ, the risen Christ, gives John in the Isle of Patmos, he gives him the words to write, the seven letters to seven churches. And he gives them right through, starting with the church of Ephesus. Then going right through, he names seven churches, and he finishes with the church of the Laodiceans, which means the church is neither hot nor cold. They're neither refreshingly cold, neither are they fervently boiling hot for the Lord. They're lukewarm, wishy-washy, and make Christ sick. In time, in prophecy, we have the church of Ephesians, which we read over the letter of the Ephesians that Paul wrote to. But it's also seven different times of prophecy throughout the years, from then until now. Ephesus was the first one. It comes right through to Laodicea, the seventh one. Seven is God's number for, uh, uh, of divine fulfillment and perfection. And so the seventh church, the Laodicean church that makes Christ sick in prophetic time. Guess what church it is? It's the church before his second coming. It's the church of our age. The church of our age, the, the very comforts, the, 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 the riches of the church. He says, thou sayest, I'm going off my notes again, I have to watch myself. Jesus says, thou sayest, to the church of Laodicea, thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and in need of nothing. It's not what the church in the West says today. The prosperity gospels is telling us it's health, wealth, and prosperity. It's not what it's telling us today where all of these things he's saying, thou says, Jesus says. Can you imagine when he raps, and I'm going to mention the preachers, you know them all, you know who they are, and he raps the door and he says, thou says, I am rich and increased with goods and in need of nothing. But knowest thou not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and wicked? That's what Christ says of them. Jesus says, I would spew thee out of my mouth. And so the day of the church, if I can call it the religious worship in the days of of Ahab and Jezebel, in chapter 3, Revelation chapter 3, Jezebel is mentioned again in the church, the third church, which is mentioned by the Lord Jesus, called Thyatira. And it means one ruled by a woman. And it speaks in prophetic age of the church of Rome. And here this hearted woman 
is overlording and ruling over with control. And that's what it did in prophetic time. And the Lord says, thou hast Jezebel. I hate her. Now Jezebel, it gives you an idea of who this woman is. There is a Jezebel spirit that may come into a church. There's a Jezebel spirit of control may come onto a person. But this is in mass is what the Lord says. And he says, the, the last church that we're in, knowest thou not that thou art wretched, miserable, poor, and blind, and naked. What about our show and tell gospel that Elijah had? What is in our lives and what is in our hearts? And what about us being, not coming to church, but being the church as we come and as we go? And notice here, Elijah is brought into Ahab and Jezebel's palace. Now you have to understand, this man is going to would cut the head of him. This man would hate such a man as Elijah. And this man, Ahab, he's a tyrant to the people. He's an idolater. He, he's a, he's a, a, a false worshipper. And he has everyone under his control. But overlording him is his wife. His wife, Jezebel. Jezebel the witch. Jezebel the Zidonian witch. Elijah, as we looked last week, his name means my God is Yah. My God is Yah. Or my God is Yahweh. My God is Jehovah, some people say. But my God is Yah. Will you turn with me to 1 Kings 17, please? 1 Kings chapter 17. So what is happening is the nation's in a terrible way. Israel has fallen away from God. This is Elijah speaking to that northern kingdom. He's not speaking to Jerusalem. Elijah's not ministering to the king in Jerusalem. He's not ministering to the line of David, of the house of David. He's not ministering to Judah. In fact, Judah is where you actually get, it's actually a derivative name, Jew from. And the first time you'll read of the word Jews, J-E-W-S, in the plural, is in 2 Kings chapter 16. And they're fighting Israel. They're fighting Israel. They have Israel in the north has aligned with north again who are Syria. And they're coming down against the Jews. So since this split that you'll read off in 1 Kings 11, 1 Kings 12. Since this split you'll read of two capital cities, Samaria in the north, Jerusalem in the south. Two lines of kings. The true king scepter line is from in Jerusalem. And then you'll have... It's, they're called in prophecy and in parable. You'll have two sisters. Ezekiel 23 will tell you about two sisters. One called Ahala and one called Ahaliba. Ahala, we're told, is Samaria. Ahaliba is Jerusalem. And when these two sisters, Ahaliba, God, Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah says, my tent is in her. That's what it means. So she is Ahaliba. My tent is in her. In other words, the temple was in Jerusalem. The animal sacrifice was in Jerusalem. The priests, priests were ministering in Jerusalem. And Yahweh, Jehovah God says, call Jerusalem a holabah. My tent is in her. In other words, my tabernacle, that's where I meet. And the Samaria, the northern kingdom's capital, is called a holabah. You know what that means? She hath her own tent. She hath her own tent. In other words, they worshipped everyone and anyone. It gives the idea of a woman who's a harlot, 
a loose woman bringing everyone and anyone into the tent when their husband isn't looking. That's what Israel did in the northern kingdom unto God. And Elijah, the poor prophet Elijah, is sent into the middle of this. Right into the palace. First Kings 17, we read of him for the first time really in, in this happening. And it's, it says, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, Now notice his language here, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall be no, shall not be dew nor rain these years. Notice the word, these years according to my word. Now so Ahab is on the throne. Jezebel, his wife, is somewhere around there with him. I don't know if she was in the room or not, but nevertheless Ahab is there. Elijah goes in, whose name it means, My God is Yah. Yah sends Elijah into Ahab. And he says unto Ahab, he makes a declaration. So note this down if you're writing. Elijah's declaration. Elijah's declaration. He says, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Now Elijah was just a man. He was a man subject to like passions as we are, James told us. But this man had something in him that he could go right into this palace and declare the word of the Lord to him. There's something else. And he had some sort of relationship, uh, uh, some sort of reality of the God of Israel that he could carry that word and go right into a palace and give it on to the very king and the wicked king at that. What a declaration for Elijah. Elijah whose name means my God is yeah. You see, there are many people and they have profession. Notice profession. And there are others who have possession. Possession. There's many profess Christ. There's many profess the Lord Jesus as their Savior. But possession of Christ. Pastor was on this morning. Within you. Possession is something completely different. Possession is something completely different. You see, possession... Possession tells you, you go to church on Sunday and clock your card. <laughs> Possess, uh, uh, profession tells you, pardon me, you go to church on Sunday. Profession tells you, you do the ritual, you do the ceremony. Profe- profession tells you that, you know, you can say Jesus, well, you're a Christian in brackets, but it, it, it's knowing, it's knowing the Christ of the word and the word of Christ. It's possessing him. It's two different things. Elijah says, with a great declaration, be no junior in these years according to my word. Years, he said. It would be simple for someone to say, you get, man, look, I'm a Pentecostal, believe in prophecy, and all the gifts of the Spirit, so please don't get me wrong. But I'm sick and tired of hearing Mickey Mouse stories come from people who call themselves prophets in their lips. I'm just tired of it. Notice this. He says, as the Lord God of Israel liveth. You see, Elijah knew not only was his name, my God is Yah. He had God who was Yah. 
he comes to Ahab and in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 5, listen to what Paul says. There are those who have the form of godliness but denying the power thereof. There's many who say, oh, I'm a Christian, but they have a form of godliness. Might even wear their robes. They might have the Lord's ring in their finger to kiss. They might have the Dagon fish hat, fish mater hat, you know, the big fish's mouth from Dagon, the fish god. may even have the big crook as though they're the shepherd. They deny the power thereof, the power of the cross and the power of the blood. They deny the power of the Holy Ghost. There are many, and I, I, I don't want to offend anyone because of many friends that watch this, but there are many who deny the power of the Holy Ghost even in today's church. And they say, oh, he can talk to me, he can convict me and he can save me, but he can't use the giftings through me. Denying the power of the Holy Ghost. From such turn away, tells Paul. You see, you can't claim to be a Christian and not have Christ. It's as simple as that. You cannot claim to be a Christian and not have Christ. Remember this, church. The snow. The snow covers many a dunghill. A snowy white profession covers many a foul heart. A snowy white profession covers many a foul heart. And Elijah went in, no foul heart. Yah, or my God is Yah. And he knew Yah, for Yah was living in Elijah. That's what took him to Ahab. In the face of danger, in the face of all that was around him, in the face of idolatry, in the face of all the things that were happening in the palace and the surrounding area of the house of Israel, we find, here he says, my God is Yah. And his word says this. Oh, that God would raise up Elijah's again to take it right into the palace in London, to take it right into Westminster and to go right across into Strasbourg and other places like it, and say, Thus and thus saith the Lord. Notice Elijah's declaration was that God was his God, and there would be no June or rain. Notice this also as the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand. Note this Elijah was more aware of the Lord than he was. Of Ahab. I know that. Elijah was more conscious that he was before God than he was of Ahab who stood in front of him or sat in front of him. He walks before this king who could have his head cut off or give him a slow, torturous death. And he walks up and he says, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there she neither do nor in these years according to my wonder how many of us are more conscious and aware that we are Christ's and that Christ is with us and that he is in us. That whenever, whether we are in work or whether we are among the shops or in society, no matter where we are, that we are more aware, oh, I don't want to offend. 
I don't want them to think bad of me. I don't want them to chase me. Tell me to go away. Listen, brothers and sisters, do you see if the church was more aware of Christ than they were of everyone else? Friend, we would turn this nation around again. If we were all more aware and conscious of Christ. He says, as the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be June or rain these years according to my mercy. Pardon me, according to my word. And here's the thing. People might say, but he can't see God. But he can see Ahab. He can't see God, but he can see Ahab. 100% right. But Yahweh was more alive to Elijah than Ahab was. Yahweh to, uh, to Elijah was with him and he was more conscious and alive to him than Ahab was who sat before him. He was more conscious of the eternal matters than he was of the temporal. And so he comes with the word of the Lord in obedience. Listen to what the Lord Jesus says in John chapter 20 and verse 29. He says to Thomas, Because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and have yet believed. Do you know you're blessed tonight? The apostles were blessed. Look what they accomplished. And they saw with the eye. They saw with the eye. How blessed are you and I tonight, Christian? Believer. Blood washed. How blessed are we tonight because we have not seen and yet believed. And yet it's as though I know him better than any of you. And when you go home and I go home. And you go your way and I go my way. He's still with me. And I can still talk to him as though I am right this minute. But you'll be wherever you are and doing whatever you're doing. And I'll be wherever I am and doing whatever I do. Yet he will never leave me nor forsake me. Notice. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 8. Peter writes, Whom having not seen, speaking of the Lord Jesus, Whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now ye see him not yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Listen, this, these musicians and singers and myself up here and all you people down there, we were singing, Worthy is the Lamb. It wasn't just a song to me. I'm speaking to me about me now. It wasn't just a song to me. It wasn't just another thing. Well, we've sang that, we know it well, let's sing it and shout it out loud. No. No, I was conscious of him. Aware of him. And I was singing unto him. I hadn't seen him. But I was rejoicing with joy unspeakable. And full of glory. Because he has saved my soul. Because he paid my debt and washed me from all of my sin. And I'm singing, worthy is the Lamb. Seated on the throne, I'm rejoicing in my heart. With joy unspeakable. Full of glory. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Full of glory, full of glory. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. And the half, half never yet been told. (laughs) All the old dolls down the front yet. That says a lot for me too, doesn't it? Because I knew it as well. It's joy. 
joy unspeakable to have Christ in the life. It's full of glory. Edward Marbury once said, A man cannot have faith without asking. Neither can he ask it without faith. And Elijah at some point in Gilead, this man, the Tishbite, he at some point had been before the Lord of glory. And at some point the Lord of glory had drawn Elijah the Tishbite. You know why you're here tonight? Because God drew you. And he's given you faith, church. He's given you faith. Faith to behold the Lamb, to want to be in his house with people of like mind and to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Why, Elijah, my God, as Yah comes in knowing his God and he has a great declaration and he says, as the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand. I'm more conscious, he says, of him. For not all who say they are Christ are Christ's. And you remember this, thistles are bad in a field, but worse in a garden. There's many thistles in the world, but when the thistles are in the garden, the thistles are in the church, we pray that the Lord would give us spiritual discernment that we may be able to see and know who is who. Elijah was a man of prayer, and James tells us Elijah was a man of faith, bringing him to prayer. And faith and prayer brought to Elijah the will and the word of the Lord, and, that's, and it's that prayer he brings as a declaration to Ahab. Secondly, Elijah's demonstration. Elijah's declaration now Elijah's demonstration. First Kings chapter 17. And that's just for time's sake. I'll just read a few verses. Let your eye run down to verse 8 please. And the word of the Lord came unto him saying. Arise get thee to Seraphim. Which belongeth to Zidon. Now if you note something here. The Lord is sending him to Zidon. The Lord is sending Elijah to Zidon. Ringing any bells? The Lord is sending him to Jezebel's homeland. Why, Lord? It's going from bad to worse. I'm having faith in you. And the rain is stopping as your word says. And he sends him and he sends him into Zidon. Now notice what it says. The Lord says, And dwell there, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. This We, woman, the Lord says, you're going to look after the prophet of God. Some wee woman. You're going to look after the prophet of God. Now remember, the rain has stopped. Now remember, the crops don't grow. Now remember, there's famine and disease. And notice what it says in verse 10. So he rose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow woman was gathering, there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in mine hand, thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, 
but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat and die. This wee woman has the last, a little drop of meal and a little drop of oil. She says, I'm going to make a wee cake out of this for me and my son. There's just enough to feed us that we die. She says, way to gather two sticks. Strange thing is that for three and a half years it doesn't rain. And yet in Daniel's chapter 9's prophecy of the coming of Messiah, it says that he will be cut off in the midst of the week, which is three and a half days in the seven seven years of the prophecy. Three and a half years, and, and James tells us, after three and a half years, he says, the fruit started to grow again. Strange, isn't it? That, or is it that Christ died? His ministry was for the three and a half years. He goes to the cross. He dies. What for? That he would be the seed or the kernel that goes into the ground to bring forth fruit. And after the three and a half years of Christ's death, the old covenant, the old temple worship, the old sacrifice that had went corrupted was all finished. And now it was bringing forth new corn, oil, and wine. And now the, the gospel would go back out again. And the strange thing is, this woman that he goes to is collecting two sticks. By the way, two sticks is another sign and prophecy for the two kingdoms of the house of Israel. The northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The Lord Jesus in John 15 speaks of two sons. One's a prodigal son and one is the elder brother. And the prodigal son is the northern kingdom who are taken away and are returned through the preaching of the word of God and the gospel who we are. It's you and I. And the southern kingdom became, the, the house of Judah, that's the southern kingdom, who were the Jews who had the temple, who had the oracles, who had the word of God, who had all of those things, became corrupted. But yet the father, when the prodigal son comes back, welcomes him in to his house and there's music and there's dancing and the old, older brother, the the house of Judah, or the Jews come and they say, oh, you never give us all of this. And the father says, you had it all. Can you see that? Notice, This woman's collecting two sticks, going to make a cake, and they're going to die. Elijah says, you give me first. I'm paraphrasing for time. You give me first. Here's his demonstration. You give me first. And notice what it says in verse 15. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. So Elijah had this, Yah is my God. And he comes with the word of Yah, not just a label on a t-shirt, not just a cross or a crucifix around the neck. It wasn't just something that's jewelry, not just a picture on the wall, but the reality of the living God in his life. And he says, I have the word of the Lord for you. Give first unto God and he'll bless you through it all. See, brothers and sisters, that's it. Give first unto God of all things and he'll bless you through it all. Put God first. Put Christ first. Give unto Christ first everything that you have and the Lord will bless you in the times of leanness, in the times of worry, in the times of stress. Even this woman sitting with death facing her and her son. He says, give me first. You can imagine, but this is my last meal, Elijah. 
This is my last meal. This is a dead man and a dead woman's meal. You give me first and have faith in God and see what God will do. Where are you with God, Lord? But if I do that first, if I get rid of all that stuff I used to have, if if I put you first, what about this and what about that? And what about the other thing? The Lord says, you put me first and watch what I do in your life. So Elijah's demonstration was this. Notice what this woman says in verse 12. And she said, as the Lord thy God liveth. Elijah's life demonstrated the power and the reality of God. And notice here, she says, as the Lord, notice, thy God liveth. As the Lord, thy God liveth. Notice she's seen, she's seen something special in the prophet. She's seen something amazing in this prophet, something wonderful in this prophet. And this little woman, this wee woman, going to make a cake with her wee drop of the last for her and her son to die, she realized that little is much when God is in it. That little is much when God is in it. Brothers and sisters, despise not that they have small things. Because it's that that God will bless, breathe on and use. And notice here, Elijah's life demonstrated by the woman saying, as the Lord Thy God. Peter and John go to pray. Acts chapter 3. Go to the temple to pray. And there's a man, lame from his birth, at the gate called Beautiful. He's asking for alms, begging. And listen to what the apostle said. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he says, rise up and walk. And he takes him by the hand and pulls him up. And his ankle bones grow straight and receive strength. And this is what we're told. A man walked into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Oh, you walked and leaped and praised God in church. There's many will think you had a demon and kick you out now. Praise the Lord, I'm saved. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. He's washed me in his blood. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm not a bit averse to anything. Don't you worry. Everything may be done decently in order, but the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory to know this Christ. Notice, as the Lord thy God liveth, your God works wonders. And then later in the chapter we have This woman's son dies. We haven't time to read it. And he sends for Elijah. Verse 22 says, And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came in unto him again, and he revived. Now listen, brother, sister. Your witness and your testimony means so much. Thomas Adams once said, One eyewitness is better than ten ear witnesses. Doesn't matter much to say, oh, I belong to Jesus. Doesn't matter much to say, hallelujah, praise the Lord. It's about your life. I'm not talking about a one-off turn up at church. Or I'm not talking about a one-off do a charity deed. I'm talking about your life and the constant witness. What does it say before people? 
constantly walking before him. You may be the only Bible that someone else will read. You may be the only Bible that someone else will read. Notice, this woman sends for Elijah. He stretches himself out on the child. It's strange how he does it. But nevertheless, he stretches himself out on top of the child. The child receives the spirit again. People look, you ready? People look to the man or the woman of God in crisis when their desperation overcomes their pride. I remember in the last church we were in, there was a certain person in the village and that hated me so much they tried to get the youth shut down. Try to get the youth shut down. And they phoned the police, saying the youth were rowdy. <laughs> well, for one thing, they were run about the village anyhow. But anyway, they come in. The police came in. The police looked around all the youth, and Alison was one of the youth at the time. And they thought she was doing such a great job, they actually gave us a money bus to start taking them away to help them and started coming to visit. <laughs> you remember that, Alison? Here's the thing. The same woman, she was dying. Used to go around putting notes in our cars outside, telling us, don't park here, you're not wanted. The same woman when she was dying, guess who she sent for? Here's what I'm saying. There may be people you're witnessing to and they hate you. There may be people you're witnessing to and you're just a thorn in their side. You just keep doing what God gives you to do. And someday, some one of them people, maybe be many of them, you know who they'll always look to? They'll always find out who's the one because there's something about the man who has Christ or the woman who has Christ. Something inside them. You know who they look for? That person. See, when their marriage is in trouble, or they've got themselves into a court order, or they've got themselves into some sort of trouble, you know what to do near work? I'm going to sneakily be like Nicodemus who came to Jesus by night. No man can do the things that you do except God be with them. Help me. And this wee woman says, Send for the man of God. Send for Elijah. I better hurry up. Elijah's presentation then is this. 1 Kings 18 verse 22. 1 Kings 18 verse 22. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks and let them choose one bullock for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on wood and put no fire under and they will dress the other bullock and lay it on wood and put no fire under. And ye call on the name of your gods and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, 
It is well spoken. And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourselves, dress it first, for ye are many, and call on the name of your gods, but put no fire under. So they take the bullock which was given them, and they dress it and call it in the name of Baal or Baal. From the morning, even until noon, saying, Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he is in a, di- a journey, or peradventure he sleepeth, must be awakened. In fact, one of the Hebrew translations says, maybe he's even sitting on the toilet. Elijah was mocking them. Call on your gods. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after the manner with knives and lancets until the blood gushed out upon them. And it came to pass when midday was past that they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice and there was neither voice nor any to answer nor any that regarded. And Elijah came unto the people Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob. Unto whom the word of the Lord came saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid on the laid him on the wood and said, Fill four barrels of water and pour it with burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he, and he said, Do it a second time. And he did it a second time. And he said, Do it a third time. And he did it a third time. And the water ran about the altar and he filled the trench also with the water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in it. And when all the people saw it, notice when the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is Yah, he is God. Yah, he is God. Now, here we have Elijah's presentation. So Elijah says to Ahab later, this is a bit later on, and he says, Ahab, bring the prophets of Baal down. Tell them to build an altar and call on their gods, and I'll call on mine. The God answers by fire, he is God. No fire to go under it has to come from heaven. So they jump up and down and they start cutting themselves. Listen, their blood meant nothing. Their blood was a filthy blood had to be the blood of an innocent animal which represented the blood of Christ. They're jumping up and down and calling on him and Elijah starts mocking them because he knows their God is false deity and he knows that their gods are nothing but demonic spirits. Elijah calls in the name of the Lord. He he repairs the altar of the Lord. Look what it says here. Verse 30, Elijah repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Now remember, this is the northern kingdom in the house of Israel. Elijah repaired the altar. See the word repair? You underline it there and write Rafa. Rafa. Do you know what that means? Healed. H E A L E D. 
healed. The altar, the stones were all turned over. Who wants God in Israel? Who wants this God in our government? We don't want God in the palace or the government or anywhere else and to turn the stones over. Broke it all down. This can't be used to worship God anymore. It's not what you hear in our nation. It's not all you get to the state of especially the, the mainland in Britain and Scotland. Isn't that right? And they had destroyed the worship of the Lord. They had destroyed the altars of the Lord. But Elijah comes and he heals the altar. Starts to build it up. Rapha is the name of it. In fact, in Exodus 15 and verse 26, Yah or Jehovah, Yahweh God, he says to Israel, I am the Lord, I am Yah, that Rapha ye. I am Yah who healeth thee. It's not what we sing, I am the Lord that healeth thee. It's the same word here. And Elijah healed the altar. Healed it. And he put 12 stones one for each tribe, 12 barrels of water. And then he builds up the wood. And the Lord's spirit comes down in power and licks up even the very dust around it, water and all. Burns the whole lot up when the sacrifice has been put on it. Notice, brothers and sisters, I'm bringing this round to a close. Broken down altars must be prepared before the blessing comes. Did you hear that, Christian? Broken down altars must be repaired. They must be healed. Healed. Maybe you're better. You have a broken down altar. Hurt. Broken down altar. Resentment. Broken down altar. Maybe you've went away from the Lord in heart. Broken down altar. You've stopped your prayer life. Broken down altar. Reading and seeking his face. Broken down altar. Even coming to your meetings, broken down altar. Being in the presence of the Lord, whether on your own or in corporate meeting like this, broken down altar. And the broken down altar must be repaired or healed before the blessing comes. The broken down altars must be healed before the Lord answers too. The Lord answered by fire. Listen, spirit, water and blood. The spirit comes down in fire. The water covered the stones. And the blood sacrifice was upon it. Blood, water, and spirit. See that? Blood, water, and spirit. And that's what our nation needs tonight. Twelve stones were for the tribes of Israel. For the nation. Our nation needs again blood. The blood of the Lamb. The blood of Christ. Water. The washing of the water of the Word of God. And baptism of fire of the Holy Spirit. But broken down altars unrepaired will not receive the blessing. We must repair the altar or heal the altar. And then, are you ready? There must be a sacrifice on it. What does that mean? Once you start healing your own self, bring into the place where you've once walked away from God, get back to that place. Place of prayer, place of worship. Turn off the TV and get into the place of prayer. Put down the old stupid magazines and lift the word of God. 
and lift it and read it and start repairing and building the altar and get out into the place where we're praying and where we're worshiping together, where we're fellowshipping together. You're repairing the altar of the Lord. Listen, then comes the sacrifice. Then comes the sacrifice. What is the sacrifice? The sacrifice is you. <laughs> the sacrifice is here, my Lord, send me. And laying ourselves down on the altar. And listen, you know what happens? The fire, the fire falls. It's not what we sing in that hymn, not him. As Elijah, we would raise the altar, off our testimony clear and true. Christ the Savior, loving healer, coming Lord, baptizer too. Ever flowing grace and full salvation. For a ruined race thy love hast planned. For this blessed revelation. For thy written word we dare to stand. Let the fire fall. Let the fire fall. Let the fire from heaven fall. We are waiting and expecting. Now in faith, dear Lord, we call. Let the fire fall. Let the fire fall. On thy promise we depend. From the glory of thy presence, let the Pentecostal fire descend. Isn't that marvelous, isn't it? I'm finishing. We have Elijah's proclamation. Elijah's proclamation in 1 Kings 18 and verse 14. He slays the prophets after the fire falls. And there's Elijah, this king who he stood before. The Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand. And there's Elijah. He's now at the feet of the prophet. Cowering at the feet of the prophet. Powerful. Okay, devil, where are you now? You killed many. Steal and destroy. You tried to destroy me. But where are you now? You're carrying at the feet of the prophet. And this is what he says. And Elijah said, 1 Kings 18, 41, unto Ahab, get thee up, eat and drink, for there's a sound of an abundance of rain. Three and a half years. <laughs> three and a half years. Not a cloud in the sky. For three and a half years. Get up, take something to eat. Get out of here. Sound of abundance of rain. <laughs> Elijah's proclamation was this. I'm speaking out the word in faith. God's going to send the rain of blessing. You ready? Ahab starts running down to tell Jezebel. And Elijah goes in up into a mountain and he's at a cave and he says to his servant he brings with him, go and see if there's any rain yet. There's no clouds. So the servant goes out. He's looking about. Elijah, there's no, not even a cloud in the sky. Oh, he's on his knees. Go again, go again. Off he goes again. Elijah, there's no cloud in the sky. I'm not going to get down this time. <laughs> go again, go again. He does it seven times. 
perfection. And the seventh time he goes out, oh, Elijah, there's a cloud coming out of the sea. That's before the scientists were able to tell you that the, the clouds were brought from the vapor of the sea. That God's word says, there's a cloud coming out of the sea the size of a man's hand. Well, would they do? A few and I in Northern Ireland were to see a cloud the size of a man's hand, we'd get the barbecue out. <laughs> Wouldn't we? We'd say there's no chance it's going to rain. Get the barbecue on, Alison. Here we go. Get the paddling pools out. What Elijah says, there's no sound of abundance of rain. You see, the man of faith and the woman of faith see more in the little things that when God moves in it, that there's no sound of an abundance of rain coming. A big blessing. (laughs) And the sky turns black. You know what Elijah does? He girds up his loins, gets his skirts, he wraps them all up and away goes running. (laughs) And he overtakes Ahab in his chariot. Boy, he was fit, wasn't he? He's nearly nearly as fit as Leah McNeil. And he's on doing... (laughs) He's running down with a chariot and he overtakes him. And here's where I'm finishing. Chapter 19, verse 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Big Jenny on, going gunning to his wife. Big woos. Big cry, baby. Oh, what do you hear what Elijah done? Jezebel sends word to Elijah. I'm going to kill you, prophet. And Elijah's desperation is this, you ready? In chapter 19 and verse 4, he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. Elijah wanted to die. Took a breakdown. He took a breakdown. Sits under a tree. Can't cope. All that glory fire from heaven, back to the life of a young man, cruise of oil, and meal not failing, walking into the palace untouched, declaring the word of the Lord. Now he's under a tree and a a breakdown. James says, Elijah was a man, subject to like passions as we are. God sends an angel and bakes him a cake. He says, arise and eat. And he eats and he falls asleep and the angel bakes him again and says, here, eat, for the journey's too great for you. And he ate the second time of the cake. That cake was probably even better uh, than Tracy Cummins' cake. <laughs> Do you know what? Last Wednesday we had a men's fellowship and Tracy had make, made his, it's either Gordon, but I think it was Tracy, he brought it. <laughs> I think Gordon tried to claim the glory of it. Brought us a big pavlova. This height, lovely fruit and all that. See across the top of it, CET men's fellowship and all it was beautiful. And I thought, I'm going to get a. <laughs> Mrs. Over, I'm going to go down and get a photograph of that. I went down the men had a rubbish. <laughs> they had spoons like shovels. Here they were in the middle of it. <laughs> Lady, see when you're not about, it's no slicing about. It's just here, give us that there, I get that shovel in. <laughs> That's what it was like. Never got a photograph, it was all gone. That was just a mess. The angel baked Elijah cake and he says, eat it for the journey's too great for you. See, you see, we're human. Remember, you're a human being. And sometimes the journey's too great for you. 
What do you do? You need to eat of the bread of life. For the Lord, as it were, is baked as a cake. Elijah went on the strength of that 40 days, 40 nights. Here's what I wrote, and I'm finishing with this. Don't allow your worries, don't allow, pardon me, tomorrow's worries rob you of today's blessings. Don't allow tomorrow's worries rob you of today's blessings. Fear is the worst prophet in times of doubt, brother. Fear had Elijah under a tree. Here's something for you. I sat, and I'll finish with this little story. I sat in the hospice in Uri with a lady. And just out of the blue, we were looking out the window. Her bed was just facing. So we were looking out the window. Windows were the side and she was sort of facing like this, looking out. And I'd come around here and we were talking and she says to me, can't see him. I can't see him. I'm afraid. I can't see him. Lovely lady too. I said, why? She says, I'm just hearing things, you know. And I brought her to this portion of scripture where Elijah was under the, the tree. This juniper tree. And it tells us that Jezebel had sent a messenger, you know. A Jezebel junkie wanting to ruin, her, ruin this, you know. Jezebel junkie. You'll get them everywhere. You know, this methodical, uh, malicious messenger. And we're looking out, and the sun was up in the sky. And I says there, see the sun? She says, yeah. She says, what, what, what size do you reckon that is? She says, well, I know it's bigger than the whole earth. I says, many times. Yeah. So I've done that, and I says, Look, and you can only see the rays of the sun. Look at that. She says, What? I says, Can you see it now? I says, No, just your hand. I said, Look at all the height of my hand. Look at all the height of it. That's blocking out the whole glory of the sun. said, you see, you're listening to a lie from a malicious messenger. And that word of fear brought Elijah under a juniper tree to have a breakdown. And a lie from the malicious messenger, the Jezebel junkie, blotted out the whole glory of God in Elijah. Blotted out who, who he was in that moment of time. What he had done for him. It's like the hand over the sun. He says, don't you allow the messenger in your mind to block out the glory of Christ and all that he's done for you. And she'll call it. He says, pastor, I'm not afraid. She passed into the presence of the Lord. Trust tonight you've got something from that.
trust tonight, even though it was a bit long tonight, and thank you for your attention. I didn't want to do next week because it's Easter, but I thank you for your attention. I trust you got something to help you tonight. And don't you lose the glory of Christ. Don't you lose vision of the glory of Christ for something insignificant of today's value for his of eternal worth.